Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. If you have your Bibles, uh, don't, you don't have to take them now while you're putting money in the plate. I don't want to distract you <laughs> from, uh, from your giving. It's been a privilege to be here and uh, see you men and have you come out and be part of these services. And uh, you got a great area here, exciting part of the country, growing part of the country, needy part of the country. And uh, you are in a very, very good place to be doing something for God. And uh, it's an honor uh, to be here. Um, you know, I hadn't um, planned on doing this message. This was a sermon, actually, I had put together for the Prescott Conference um, a couple of years ago and then didn't uh, preach it. I actually got dis- discouraged by a friend. <laughs> and uh, he said, I-, I think that would be depressing. <laughs> so... I, uh, so I preached something else, uh, and I don't want to depress anybody, um, but um, I was talking about uh, 1 Kings 19, if you have your Bibles, 1 Kings 19, just thinking about, <clears throat> uh, I guess it's been kind of a theme in each of my sermons about, you know, going 40 years, and... Um, and some of the things that you you deal with over the course of that time. And to be honest, very honest with you, I'm going to preach about something that uh, I've had to deal with from time to time. And uh, and I don't think I don't think I'm alone. Problem with men, right? We, we don't necessarily talk about some of the things we're going through mentally and emotionally. Um, you know, we're going to we put on a good face and we keep going. And that's exactly what I did. But I, but I discovered some things that really helped me. And I've noticed over the years in my counseling with people in my church and even pastors that it's been a, a blessing, you know. I uh, I live in the in the in the Northwest. Northwest, it's raining and cloudy all the time, and uh, I uh, it's I say, you know, folks move up from Southern California because uh, they want to get uh, escape the drive-by shootings, and then they come up to the Northwest and shoot themselves. <laughs> 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 uh, 
because they, they get depressed, you know. And so I want to talk about winning over depression from this passage. Uh, I'm going to talk from the first 18 verses, but for the interest of time, I'm just going to read uh, uh, the first eight. Uh, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, how he had executed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came down and sat down at a, at a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. He said, It is enough now, Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. Then he lay and slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in uh, in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the Mount of God. So let's think about uh, some symptoms here. And uh, sometimes it's, of course, the understanding that uh, Christians, you know, should never go through something like this, right? That it's it just self-pity. Uh, or it's uh, sin, uh, it's uh, some character deficiency. Just uh, get your heart right, just rejoice, uh, just cheer up. Uh, you know, I don't know if, uh, you know, Lectures to My Students by Charles Spurgeon was a kind of a classic we used to read back in the day. I, I don't know if it's fallen off the uh, the charts. Uh, there's so many books that can be read, but uh, there's uh, an interesting uh, chapter in that. Uh, uh, Spurgeon uh, was the, uh, the great preacher of uh, London back in the uh, 19th century. Uh, when a preacher is downcast, and he writes these words, knowing by most painful experience what deep depression of spirit means being visited therewith at seasons by no means few or far between. I thought it might be consolatory to some of my brethren if I gave them my thoughts thereon, that younger men might not fancy that some strange thing had happened to them when they became for a season possessed by melancholy, and that sadder men might know that one upon whom the sun has shone Right joyously did not always walk in the light. It is not necessary by quotations from the biographies of eminent ministers to prove that seasons of fearful prostration have fallen the lot of most, if not all of them. The life of Luther might suffice to give a thousand instances. And he was by no means of the weaker sort. His great spirit was often in the seventh heaven of exaltation and is frequently on the borders of despair. His very deathbed was not free from the tempest and he sobbed himself into his last sleep like a greatly wearied child. 
So here it's Charles Spurgeon saying, I want you to know I've, I've, been, I've been there for extended periods of time. And, you know, great men of God have been in that place. Uh, we're looking at Elijah's anguish here. We see an incapacitating fear, dread, anxiety, a depression, a fear that what he will see is what's going on in his mind is doing more damage than what Jezebel seeks to bring to him. Proverbs says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, fear, anxiety, worry. We see in isolation, he removes himself from everyone. Uh, People are going to realize what a loser I am. I can't talk to people about what I'm going through. Maybe fearful of hearing something that make it the mental pain even more painful. All I need is for people to point out some more things that are wrong with me that I'm tormented by all the time. There's a guilt and self-loathing. I am no better than my fathers. The, uh, the great indictment of self-hatred that is one of these symptoms. And we have even suicidal thoughts. And he requested for himself that he might die. It is enough. Take away my life. I can't live in this condition. If, if I am going to feel this way for the rest of my life, I cannot live. William Styron uh, wrote a book uh, darkness visible, he says, as one who has suffered from the malady, the malady in extremis, yet returned to tell the tale I would lobby rather than the name depression for a, a truly arresting designation, brainstorm, for instance, has unfortunately been preempted to describe something of an intellectual inspiration. But something along these lines is needed. Told that someone's mood disorder has evolved into a storm, a veritable howling tempest in the brain, which is indeed what a clinical depression resembles like nothing else. Even the uninformed layman might display sympathy rather than the standard reaction that depression evokes, something akin to, so what? You'll pull out of it, or we all have bad days. Psalm 13 says, Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? That's a man of God writing that. A very spiritual man. But he's going through it mentally, and he feels like God has abandoned him. It's very resistant to hope. Even as God is helping him, there's a deep rut of negative thinking that is there. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword, and I, I only am left. And he repeats that again and again. Again, William Styron writes, the 
The pain is unrelenting. It makes the condition intolerable as the foreknowledge that no remedy will come, not in a day, not in an hour, not a month or a minute. If there is mild relief, one knows it's only temporary pain. More pain will follow. It is hopelessness even more than pain that crushes the soul. So the decision-making of daily life involves not as normal fare shifting from one annoying situation to another less annoying, from discomfort to relative comfort, from boredom to activity, but moving from pain to pain. One does not abandon even briefly one's bed of nails, but is attached to one wherever one goes. We're complex beings, we are, and uh, the world today uh, offers a very simplistic response. Here, take this pill. Take the pill, and, uh, and it's, it's entirely a physical thing. And so all you need to do is take this pill, and you'll be good to go. Uh, but you know, the Bible is far more wise about what makes us who we are. We are more than physical. There is a physical aspect. I'm not going to talk about that. But uh, the sources of the prophet's affliction, there's a, there's a spiritual conflict that he's involved in. Right? He has just confronted demonic powers. Jezebel, like the witchcraft... <laughs> of Jezebel is a very potent force. And we're talking about prophets of Baal. And so uh, in the chapter before, right, fire has fallen from heaven. Uh, there's been a glorious thing, and, and the people have responded, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. But the whole spirit of the nation is in rebellion against God. So he is ministering in, a, in the atmosphere of rebellion. He is ministering where, uh, you know, like Ahab's the king, but, you know, Jezebel's the one who's running the show, uh, where witchcraft is ruling that nation. And this witch is not just threatening his life. He, she is putting a curse, right, a demonic curse upon him. So we're, we're talking about uh, not only the automatic fear and anxiety that you would have if, if, the, uh, if your life is being threatened. But we're talking about uh, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So the whole nation has an atmosphere of witchcraft and rebellion against God and specific directed against him with Jezebel. So we're talking about sometimes a demonic assault that can be part of what's taking place here. There's the pressure of the expectations of life, right? The expectations of ministry that, you know, when fire falls from heaven, right? And, and everybody in the crowd is saying, the Lord, he is God. You're, you're thinking we're good to go now, right? <laughs> like all my efforts are going to, uh, are going to, and then when he, looks around and he says, I only am left. So apparently he realizes, you know what? It didn't change anything. That whole outreach idea, that whole sermon, you know, this, these years of ministry, and maybe it's some 
convert that backslides or some assault that comes that, uh, pastor, you don't care. You're, something about, hey, I've been pouring out my life here and, and just the reaction against that can be so devastating. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Other translations, when hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. And hope which is delayed tormenteth the soul. And the hope that is deferred is the fainting of the heart. So the pressures of expectations and expectations that aren't met and sometimes in a very devastating way. I just got a text from my son this morning. He's pioneering in, in uh, Boston. And a uh, uh, woman that... He had invested in her and her family. Uh, they, uh, you know, uh, left and blew him off uh, and just found her dead of an overdose with her 10-day-old baby next to her. It's like, you, you, like that's, that's intense stuff. That's intense stuff to to have to deal with and, and to go through. This is linked to rejection. I only am left. Rejection in my ministry, rejection of me. You're going to go into the ministry, I, you know, I don't want to be negative, but you, you, you're going to have to deal with rejection. Right? Like that's, that's going to be part of it. And the relationship breakdowns. I read a, a book years ago called Unholy Ghost, and it was about uh, stories of uh, people that wrestled with depression. And I, as I'm reading this book, I say, you know what? All these people are from Boston. <laughs> I can just tell. And uh, some of them closer to my hometown. But it, I noticed that in every one, there was a relationship breakdown. Maybe it was like the death of a f parent. Maybe it was a, and, and a child, how ch a child process or divorces of the parents and different things, but in every single one, like how we process rejection is, is a very crucial part of this. There's a sense of our own failures and sins. Can we say that? Right? Our own failures and sins. Like he doesn't handle this assault from Jezebel well, right? You were, Jezebel, oh, yeah, Jezebel, do your word. No, he, he runs. You know, that's not, it's not what he should have done. <laughs> not, I'm, okay, I'm going to quit. If, if, if a woman in my church gets mad at me, I quit the ministry. It's, that's not going to fly, you know. Because there's going to be some of those. <laughs> but our mind can become consumed with all that's wrong with us. Right? And, and inflate our failures and inflate our sins to be like it's like an overwhelming thing. Just uh, bringing up past failures and past things and cause them to say, this is you. The, the devil is the accuser. Uh, right? He's, that's... That's what he is. That's what he says to Joshua, the high priest. He's, he's pointing out his filthy rags. 
It's a torment of mind. But you know what? It can also be a physical thing. It can be a physical thing. You don't notice how Elijah gets ministered to first. Right? It's, it's on a physical level. You know, uh, the thing that heaven addresses first is physical. It's important for us to realize that. The angel's taking care of him physically. There's very likely that sometimes there can be a physical thing. People aren't exercising. People aren't eating. It's what they, you know, there's, you know, they're just stuff. You know, if you've got a thyroid problem, right, there's going to be times when you don't feel like you don't want to live. And it's just, it's just a hormone, right? It's, it's just, it's a hormone. It's not, oh, I'm the worst person that's ever lived. It's physical. It may feel spiritual. It may feel like you're abandoned by God, right? It may, it, but, so here, here's the thing. Let let the Bible help us out of it. Not yeah. Here, take this pill. And I, I'm not discounting. You know, I'll get to that. But it's like no, let, address it holistically, because we're complex. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And well, I prayed against the devil and it didn't go. Well, maybe it's not just that. Hey there, Sermon Podcast listeners. This is Pastor Adam back with you again. Wanted to just take a second here to thank you once again for listening to this Sermon Podcast. We've had an explosive rate of growth and listenership for the past few weeks, and we hope that you appreciate these daily sermons to encourage you and help you. I just want to share a couple of ratings that we've gotten in the Apple Podcast application Clint B. writes a five-star review. He said, I am so grateful for our fellowship. Thank you. This podcast, very helpful through the day. Uh, Bobby Sanford from North Carolina said, inspiring. Awesome to hear sermons that are encouraging and inspiring to the church. Uh, we could really use your help to add a couple more of these very helpful reviews. Uh, these do help us to get the word out about this podcast I want you to know that we have a truly worldwide impact with this podcast from the United States to the UK, Australia, Ireland, Germany, New Zealand, South Africa, Netherlands, Canada, Romania, Afghanistan, Namibia, Vietnam, Switzerland, Kenya, India, Russia, Hong Kong, Ghana, Uganda, Guam, Meritus, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Zambia, Japan, Jamaica, Malaysia, Israel, Ukraine. The list goes on and on of nations that are listening to these sermons. So we just want to say thank you for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you're sharing these when you hear a good one. And please, if you haven't done so already, make sure you leave a five-star rating and a review of what you like about this podcast. Thank you again for listening, and back to the rest of the sermon. As we think about coming through, see, what I 
so appreciate about this passage is that this isn't Elijah coming to God. This is God coming to Elijah. Isn't that great? I mean, Elijah's running away from God. But here's God's compassion for his servant. You don't, again, what heaven deals with first is the physical. Does it, God's not even speaking to him yet. <laughs> that, that's so, so interesting to me. Rise and eat. Eat something. You'll feel better. <laughs> but sometimes it is, you know, stuff that we're putting in our bodies, right, that is just not healthy for our brain. Because, you know, our brain is a physical thing. <laughs> and so it's going to be affected by what you eat. And you know what they say? Like, like your, your, your gut is like your second brain. Right, how they're connected, right? So, so you know, I'm not here to, you know, obviously I don't look like I, I I'm the perfect dietary example. I'm just saying, you know, like I'm just there's this con, you know, get some exercise, right? Like get some sleep, you know, take care of the physical aspect, and that's not a quick fix. You know, like, okay, uh, you know, it's like, it's something about just taking responsibility. And some of us, as we get older, right, it's like you can't just do what you did without taking better care of yourself. And here's the thing, you know, God is touching him and he's not feeling better, right? The angel of the Lord comes to him and touches him twice, and he still doesn't feel better. Well, that's depressing. No, it's encouraging. Because that says God's still there even when we can't feel him. We feel that he's gone. He's abandoned us. I don't feel him. You know, I've heard guys say, yeah, if you don't feel God tonight, your feeler's broke. Well, my feeler's been broke. <laughs> it really has. And God was there. But I couldn't feel him because my feeler was broke. He's being touched by an angel. Maybe it's the Son of God. Maybe this is the one who will become Jesus Christ, comes and touches him. See, God's at work. You might feel like God's abandoned you, but no, he cares. And he, as it, he is at work touching you. He goes to Horeb, to Mount Sinai. We didn't read these verses. But he goes to the very place that God had given Moses his word and granted him a revelation of who he was. In Exodus 34, 6, there's what God spoke to Moses in Mount Horeb, and God passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins. That's the God. That's where, that's where he went. He went to that God. That's who God is. When you're going through it, it feels like God's this angry, violent, like this 
storm in your brain is like, this is God's judgment falling on my miserable life. But that's not him. Remember the violence. You, we didn't read it all. But there's a, uh, there's a uh, violent wind. There's an earthquake. There's a fire there. And, and, but each one. No, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. The Lord was not in the blasting wind. The Lord was not in that fire. The, God isn't one being violent with you. The Lord was in the still small voice. Like the Lord, he was the comforter. David said, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. See, sometimes we have to talk to our soul. Our problem is sometimes we let our soul talk to us. Like it's telling, it's, it's in turmoil and it is, but we said, no, why are you cast down? What? I am going to rejoice. <laughs> we are going, we're not going to be, feel this way forever. Right? The moment that you get that, you are not going to feel this way forever. It begins to lift. Because as the other quote, that hopelessness, that's the thing. When you feel like, I am going to feel this way forever, and I can't live, then you know. You, I, if you don't remember anything else, you are not going to feel that way. You know, 80% of people who suffer from depression get better if they don't do a single thing. <laughs> Just don't exercise, keep drinking Mountain Dew, whatever. Just, yeah, and you'll be... You'll, you'll come out the other side. It's all about, too, changing what you have believing. Right? I only am left. God says, you don't see it all. You know what? There's 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. Right? Just... You, just understand there's more going on than what you see. Pastor, there's more going on. Disciple, there's more going on in your ministry than what you can see. When it comes to issues of medication, I leave that to you and your doctor, your, your pastor. But, you, you know, it's a, these things are very overprescribed. And uh, uh, so, uh, you know, they've uh, done studies with placebos, you know, just like, and they work about the same. And uh, they've even, uh, people that were helped by antidepressants, uh, and they said, okay, now we're going to give you a placebo. But actually they gave them an antidepressant and said of this, they, they didn't feel better, right? As long as they're thinking that it's going to work, it works. When they think it's not going to work, it doesn't. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that's true in every s single situation. And some people are in a very, very dangerous place. And so we're not in the place of saying, oh, no, you can never do that, right? 
and then people do very, very terminal things. <clears throat> so you be very careful. But the issue is that we're, <coughs> excuse me, we're, we're complex creatures. We're complex creatures. And so address it. Address it on all the areas of your personality, right? There's the mental, there's the physical, there's the emotional, there's the social, right? He sends them, you go, you anoint Elijah, you, uh, Elisha. You, 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 like, be involved with people. Don't isolate. We're social creatures. <clears throat> I want to close with the thought of the hope here. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, James says that Elijah is a man of like passions, like as we are. That means that we, uh, we can be subject to this. doesn't make us horrible people. doesn't make us failures as Christians. It can happen. <clears throat> We're not talking about a failure of character. We're talking about just human frailty. Elijah is given some tasks to accomplish. He's supposed to anoint a prophet. He's supposed to anoint some kings. And, uh, and you know, God said, well, yeah, when you're feeling better, when you're feeling better, we have no evidence that he's feeling better at all. Just do it, man. Just do it. Not only will you kind of, by doing it, distract yourself from being consumed with how much pain you're in, but you'll, you'll be accomplishing something for God. I can use you. Even when you're going through it mentally, I can use your life. I can work through you. You know what? You read commentaries. You, you know, say, okay, so, okay, you're fired Elijah, you're fired. Go anoint Elisha to take your place. If you're going to go through stuff like this, I'm done with you. <laughs> Somehow I can't, I can't accept that. Right? It, it, it's like uh, he calls Elisha, and Elisha sp spends time with him and washes like. Uh, washes his hands, right? Pours water on his head. It's like Elisha is serving his ministry for some period of time. There's a discipleship thing going on here, right? He is discipling this guy who's going to do twice the miracles he did, right? It's like, uh, and before he, he's, uh, they depart, he departs, he puts down his mantle and the Jordan parts. What, has God abandoned him, right? And then, and then you know, Uber... On fire, God sends special, special, you, you know, <laughs> special chauffeuring to eternity. And then, okay, so then, Elijah, where is the God of Elijah? And then 
Then Elisha smites the ground. God was with Elijah Elijah all the way into the chariot. You know, here's a guy that said, I want to die. Kill me. God said, no, I won't even let you die. Is that cool or what? (laughs) No, you can't have what you want. And I'm taking you straight in. I love that. And, And when John the Baptist comes, who Jesus describes as of man, of all the men ever born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist And whose spirit did he represent? The spirit of Moses? The spirit of Isaiah? He comes in the spirit of Elijah. You know, you get your name attached to the greatest man that ever lived. By Jesus. Right, by Jesus. You you're okay, okay? You're you're in the realm of okay. The Mount of Transfiguration, right? Here is Jesus. His glory is about to be manifest to his disciples. Three disciples are going to see the glory of the incarnate God, like, shine forth from him and who shows up Moses and uh, and like representing the law and a prophet who are we going to get to represent the, the prophets Isaiah Ezekiel Jeremiah Dan. no Elijah he's the one pointing to the glory of the son of God Right? Speaking of his death and resurrection, like this is this is not. We're not talking about a guy that, hey, if you're going gonna go through something like that, we toss you aside. Right? We're, we're talking about some pretty significant stuff here. You know, in the You know, we can't be dogmatic, but, you know, the angel of the Lord is often the son of God. That that here's Jesus Christ, right? He comes. He's not Jesus yet, I'm saying, but here's the son of God who became Jesus, personally coming and ministering to a man. Again, he's not feeling better. Do you get it? Like he's going to feel better, but right then he's not. Jesus can be right there with you, touching you, and just trust him. And Jesus knows something of emotional and mental agony because he felt like it, it was so bad that it almost killed him. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be very sorrowful and very heavy. Then he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. It's like my emotional and mental pain is so, I think it might kill me before I even get out of this garden. 
don't think that Jesus doesn't understand what mental pain's about, what emotional pain's about. You know what I, uh, I think too, you, you, you know, remember when Elijah first went um, and uh, he, he spoke to Ahab and then uh, he uh, went to the brook Cherith and, and the Bible says that, that uh, and uh, ravens came and fed him every day. That's, that's, that's cool. But when he's going through this, it's not ravens. It's angels. An angel. It may be the Son of God. Is that cool or what? Right? When you're all, yeah, I just stood for Ahab, man. And yeah, that is great. But here, when you're going through it, when, when life and rejection and the demonic and your own sense of failure all of those are just, and something breaks, right? Something breaks in there. Know that that's why we're not, we're not going to send somebody else to care for you. And, and that's great that somebody, people, when people come and encourage, but God himself showed up. He showed up and restored and helped his brother. The lame take the prey. Bible says, even the lame, take the prey. What, what, even when we're hurt, even when we're wounded, man, God can still do something very powerful through our lives. And so if you're going through it, right, it, it, it connect with people, connect with God, do, do the thing, right, it, it, Distract your mind from all that it, and, and do what God wants you to do. And, and he's, he's there for you, right? Don't let your mental pain dominate you. Just speak to your soul. No, we're going to hope. Uh, we're, I'm not going to be this way forever. We're going to come out the other side. You know, pastors are leaving the ministry by the thousands, how many because of just what we're talking about right now? Men that don't want to go into the ministry because of stuff like this. People that backslide because they don't know how to process this. They think that God's abandoned them, right? They, so, uh, amen. Let, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. But God can help us, and that's the glory. That's the glory. God can help us. We're, uh, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed this, today. Perhaps tonight, you're, today you're here and you've come by invitation. You've, uh, you uh, have never experienced the miracle of salvation. Jesus died for sinners, broken sinners, you and me. That's, that's you and me. He went to the cross and died and rose from the dead so that you and I could be forgiven. So what is 
broken and shattered beyond repair in us can be restored. And you're here this evening, this morning, you've never put, given your life to Jesus. You never put your life in his hands by faith. Ask him to forgive you and come into your life by the Spirit of God and make you a new creation. To give you a new heart. And I'm going to pray for you before we leave this place. Just lift up your hand. With an upraised hand, you're saying, pray for me. Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to turn from my sin and give my life to Jesus. Or maybe a backslider. One time you made a decision for Jesus, but you have... You've fallen away from God. All right, we're changing the appeal. We talked about prayer this morning and the issue of establishing, maintaining a relationship with Jesus as we're in this ministry thing. Brother talked about, Pastor Suspensky talked with us about coming outside uh, uh, to the other side of, of a failure and allowing your life to be spoken into, to be involved in what God's doing and, and allow God the opportunity to bring restoration. Don't quit. Don't isolate. Don't turn your back. And I know it's, it's not, uh, not everybody has kind of the melancholy, depressive temperament that, some of us are afflicted with. But, you know, I read about a Charles Spurgeon or a Martin Luther, or some other great leaders, Abraham Lincoln, even Winston Churchill, right? There's something that does sometimes afflict leaders and aspiring leaders. The ability to get to the other side of that and to function and to stand even under demonic assault and looking at disappointment, people criticizing and all struggles in your family and you know all the stuff that can happen and, and <clears throat> sometimes something breaks. Some gets wounded that needs to be healed and restored. And God's faithful. He is faithful. He cares. And he hasn't abandoned you. You feel that, but it's not true. Your feelers broke right now. But God hasn't forsaken you. We're going to stand in a moment and sing a chorus. Uh, or no, I guess we'll just stand and, and, and open these altars. But you come. Prayer, right? Surrender, submission, after failure, depression, whatever. You come. Find a place to pray. Let God minister to you this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vbph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. 
we would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people. Oh,